Wednesday, November 1st, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, the Eagles are rolling with another win and following it up with a huge trade. The Phillies have a new manager. The Sixers are winning on the road. The Flyers are playing eh, middle-of-the-road hockey. And Penn State let one get away from them in Columbus. What a busy week in Philly sports. Yeah, you know it, Bill. The Penn State loss hurt. Ouch. But there's a lot to like about what the Eagles are doing and the Sixers even these days. And we're going to get to all of that tonight. We are. We've got a lot to cover. And uh, we've got two great guests with us tonight to talk about it. Leading off the show, we've got a Philly sports radio icon in Glenn Macnow. In the middle segment, we'll be talking with Eagles Talking Eagles with special guest North Dakota State quarterback coach Randy Hedberg on the development of one of his prize pupils. And we'll talk fantasy football with Fred Hugo as well. We're loaded up, Chet. Let's get it rolling. You know it. I would need a full five minutes to run down everything that our first guest has going on, Bill. In a nutshell, WIP radio host, partner in Conchahawking Brewing Company, author, columnist for Metro Philly, television show binge watcher, and a guy who gave out Halloween candy to exactly 112 trick-or-treaters Tuesday night. I kid you not. Glenn Macknow, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. I'm glad you follow my Twitter feed because, yes, that's, you pretty much covered most of my life. <laughs> yeah, busy night for Halloweeners, that's for sure. Hey, Glenn, lots of changes on the Philly sports scene from a year ago this week when you first joined us. Certainly, with the fact that the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, all of a sudden, the biggest surprise. How surprised are you that this team is 7-1 and one and atop everyone's NFL power rankings? Very much. I had them at 9-7 and seven this year and thought, well, if anything, it's a little optimistic, right? I think the Vegas over and under eight and a half, and I thought, boy, that was a good number. Uh, and I also thought some of their early games were going to be really tough. Well, it's why it's tough to pick the NFL before the season. I thought Arizona would be a tough game for them. Arizona was not a good team. Uh, I originally had Carolina as a loss. That was a good win for them. They are a better team than I thought, way better. And you know what, Chet, the, the schedule has really broken in their favor. Yeah, it sure has. Hey, you wrote a piece for uh, Metro Philly the other day about whether we should even think about mentioning those two words, you know, Super Bowl. And you concluded the mm-hmm. Eagles are worthy of that sort of talk. How come? Well, because, one, they have no real weakness right now. Uh, I thought the secondary was going to be the weakness, and it's not. The secondary is pretty good. The pass rush is terrific. Um, The offensive line is pretty good, and the loss of Jason Peters could really hurt him. Wentz, I've kind of buried the lead here. Wentz, as a second-year quarterback, is a viable candidate for MVP. They have a running game. They have receivers. They don't have a weakness. And it's also a year, guys, where the NFL is down. There's no great team this year. Um, there's about a eight, six, eight teams that I think have a chance to win it. The Eagles are among them, uh, and the Eagles have as good a chance as anybody. 
Well, Glenn, with all that said, what is your biggest surprise? Is it is it uh, Jim Schwartz's defense, or is it the play of the offense with uh, all the new weapons they added? Well, my biggest surprise as one guy is Nelson Aguilar. I didn't think Nelson Aguilar had it in him to have as productive a season as he's having. And I know, you listen, the one thing about the Eagles offense is every week it's a different guy. It's with Garrett Blunt one week. It's um, – uh, Aguilar another week it, it can be they have a lot of weapons who are pretty good who they move around so he's my biggest surprise as one guy uh, but my other biggest surprise is the secondary I thought the cornerbacks were going to be their Achilles heel and the cornerbacks are good Jalen Mills is a good player seventh round pick last year who's now a, a real top cornerback. I didn't see those coming at all well, and how about the trade yesterday? Uh, do you do you like the idea that uh, Howie Roseman and crew are, are seem to be going all in? Like, hey, we they must think they can win this thing if they're willing to make a kind of a midseason deal and uh, pretty good one. It looks like possible. Yeah, I do. I agree with you, uh, and it is a good deal, um, and it does help them for this year. Ajay gives them two things that they don't particularly have. He can catch a pass out of the backfield. He hasn't done it a lot, but he's. He's better than what they have. He's also a better pass-blocking blitz pickup running back than they've had, which is not to say much, but he is. But the other thing about this deal that I think is important is it helps them this year. But I think as much they made it for next year because um, he only cost them a fourth-round pick, as you said. And he's still on his rookie contract and will be through next year making $700,000 which is peanuts in the NFL. I think they, in as much as this year, they looked at next year and they said, well, we're not going to re-sign LeGarrett Blunt. Uh, Smallwood's been a bit of a disappointment. The other guys may not be starters. We can pick up this guy. There's nothing they're going to get in the fourth round of the draft next year that looks as promising as Jay Ajay. So I think that was a big part of it, and I applaud them for that. Fun season for sure. Hey, Glenn, you also wrote a terrific piece for Metro Philly on Tuesday about the Phillies' new manager, Gabe Kapler. He's another analytics guy, they tell us, a 12-year Major League Baseball veteran, just 42 years old. Not a lot of managerial experience, but, hey, he's got great abs, and he's a fan of Jimi Hendrix. So should we be excited? (laughs) Yeah, the Hendrix thing, I I went to his Twitter page, and and uh, the front of his Twitter page has pictures of Jimi Hendrix and Martin Luther King. So I like him already for that. I have no idea how this guy's going to be. He is one of the most unusual hires I have ever seen. Um, there's part of me that's a little worried. He's Chip Kelly in two respects. Uh, one is the analytics stuff. And, and I like analytics, particularly in baseball. I think that baseball is the one sport where that stuff can really help you uh, more than any of the others. So that's fine. I've also heard that he is very, very, very intense, and that can kind of push some people away. That makes me a little nervous. I have no blessed idea how this guy's going to do. He's, as you said, he's like this male model-looking guy. I started reading his blog yesterday where he talks. He had one entry that was, um, should he feel guilty about running over a squirrel? He had one entry was when he eats the chicken, he likes eating the chicken bones as much as the meat. <laughs> he's, a, he's a deep thinker, but I think Philly's an old school baseball town. Uh, and I've had a lot of blowback on that. People said that I'm wrong and that it's not anymore, but I think it is. 
he's definitely a new school manager. So here's what it comes down to with every, with every manager, every coach. If he wins, we'll find him lovable, right? Charlie, manage, Charlie Manuel, excuse me, was the bumbling idiot. Charlie Manuel was the guy that they called Elmer Befuddled until he won, and then he became everybody's favorite uncle. Chip Kelly, when he came here and was winning, he was this quirky genius, and we liked him. And then Chip Kelly kind of tore up the franchise, and he became an evil manipulator. So if Gabe Kapp can, can, is, is fortunate enough, because I think a baseball manager has less to do with winning than the other teams, but if he's fortunate enough to inherit a team that's ready to make the move up, we'll find him the greatest, smartest guy in the world. And if not, we won't. Well, I, I find it interesting because here he's being handed a, a team of very, very young players that, you know, the, the kick in the butt part, uh, you know, if he's that intense, is probably much needed. But it's you would have thought they'd have laid out the plan to more develop these young players than kick them in the butt at this time. Don't seem like they're quite yeah. ready for that yet. Yeah, and then there's always the question of do you want to hire a guy who's managed before or a new guy? And I did a little, just a little research on it. There's only been uh, three managers in the last 23 years who won a World Series in their first managing job. I mean, example, Terry Francona was here, and he obviously didn't win. He goes, well, he went to Boston and won, goes to Cleveland. Um, It doesn't happen a lot. The last manager to win on his first job, win a World Series, was Ozzie Guillen in Chicago in 2005. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad idea to hire a first-time manager. Uh, but there is something to be said for that experience. I thought they'd take a look at Joe Girardi, and they, they clearly chose not to. Or I shouldn't say that. Either they chose not to or they called Girardi, and he said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do that. So one or the other. All right, Glenn. The 76ers are still getting to know one another, still figuring out the best combinations, et cetera. But they have won three of their last four. They're three and four on the season. Bill thinks I was overly optimistic in predicting 43 wins and a sixth seed in the East. What's your view? I predicted 41 wins and a seventh seed, so I I can't say I'm all that far from you. Um, I'm kind of sticking with it for now because how many – in your 43 wins, 16, how many games did Joel Embiid play? Uh, 55. 55. Oh, well, if he plays 55 and they do that, then that'll be fine. Uh, I put the over-under for him at 60, and that might have been up. It appears you and I kind of see it the same way. Yeah, pretty close. Uh, I don't know what's – yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Markel Fultz, and I do think eventually you're going to need him. But Simmons, it looks like he's, you know, going to be spectacular. And Embiid, when he plays, is always the one guy of the 10 on the the court that really matters. So – if those two guys can stay healthy, they, I think they'll make the playoffs. That, that, and you know what? This year, after being where they've been, making the playoffs is a good goal. Sure. For sure. Hey, Glenn, you know, as part of the process, as it's been, been known, uh, you know, the Noel, uh, Noel deal basically fell through. Now Okafor yeah. looks like that's a, a run-out-of-town type situation. At the end of the day, they're really going to get nothing for those two guys that were all part of the process. Is that something that this group with uh, Colangelo is not uh, following through on the original plan, do you think? Or why, why is that not working? No, because Jaleel Okafor is just not a particularly good player. I don't think that falls on Colangelo. 
So this is, I was not a fan of the process. I always said, thought, it could work. Um, I just always thought it's a dishonest way to run a franchise. Losing on purpose, tanking it to get draft picks goes against my nature as somebody who's followed sports my whole life. I just never liked it. But the reason it works is because if you're bad enough and you get enough picks, some of them are going to hit. A lot of them aren't going to hit. Okafor clearly is not a guy who can produce for you uh, and this team at this level. Noel was a guy who I liked. Not Noel, excuse me. Okafor was a guy. No, no, Noel. Let me back up. Noel was a guy I liked more than them, and I thought could be a contributor. He's a very good defensive player, et cetera. Um, But you're going to bomb. When you get that many picks, you're going to bomb, but you're going to hit on some. So if I have 20 draft picks and you have two, guess what? I can have 10 bad picks and I'm still going to be better than you. <laughs> don't like it. I don't like the integrity of it, but I can see the logic of how it can work. Glenn, we've talked about this in the past, and I need to know, will the Flyers ever find another great goaltender? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no, and that's the problem. Well, it's not the only – I don't like yep. the coach either, but that's – you know, I, I just – I don't get this guy, but they got some nice young players. They have more speed than they used to. They got these, you know, kid defensemen. It looks like Voracek's going to rebound and have a nice year. There's a Couturier. He made the step up and he looks like he can play, you know, on the first line maybe. But when you never have a goalie who's going to win big games for you and be consistent night in and night out, Chances are you're going to get burned. And they, you know, you ever see that um, Cleveland Browns jersey that somebody made where they just hang a nameplate of everybody who's been a Cleveland Browns starting quarterback for the last 15 years, and there's like 25 <laughs> yeah. nameplates on it? Yeah. You could do yeah. that with Flyers goalies. It's just a new, <laughs> every year there's a new goalie. Every year he'll, he'll go on a hot streak and we'll think he's going to be good, and he's not. He's just a guy, and – but listen, they're hard to find. There aren't a lot of great ones in the league, but my God, they've had bad ones. Everybody loves this kid in the minor leagues. Um, Carter Hart, I always say his name wrong. Carter Hart. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, everybody really likes him. I've never seen him play a minute, so I don't know. I really hope that's the case because, geez, they've been waiting for one for a long time. Yes, they have. And their fans, their their fans, so deserve another run at the Stanley Cup. Fire fans are are great. They just stick with it. So here's hoping they find the guy. I'm with you. Hey, Glenn, back in the summer, you wrote an article that uh, I thought was really good. I, I didn't read it actually until the last couple of days, get ready for the show, but you wrote about uh, mm-hmm. what are the best nicknames in Philly sports history. And I thought that was really fascinating uh, for, for anybody that wants to read that you can go to Metro and uh, Metro.us and look it up. And uh, Glenn wrote that. What, what drove you to write that article? And out of all the names that you've listed in this article, did you have a favorite, uh, come up with a favorite one? Yeah, well, to be honest, what drove me to write the article was, it was a really, it, well, here's what drove me to write it. First of all, it was the slow time in sports, to be honest with you. So sometimes you're looking. But the other thing that got me to do it was Major League Baseball did this week where they allowed players to wear their nicknames on their jerseys. And I thought, my God, these Phillies nicknames were awful. It was Toko and uh, uh, Nicky Dubs for Nick Williams. I don't, I don't remember all what they were, but they were, 
they were really bad. Tojo was Tommy Joseph. So it got me thinking that there's not those great nicknames now, you know. The Hammer was a nickname. The, the Dipper for Wilt was a nickname. The Polish Rifle was a nickname. And we kind of have right now, unfortunately, a little bit of a dry spell for those those nicknames. What's my favorite nickname in Philadelphia sports? I mean, I think you got to go with, with Dr. J, right, or the Doc. Uh, I think you're Concrete Charlie. Listen, there. Uh, you tell me. There are some great ones. Well, you, you, made, uh, you made me think about some that I hadn't thought about in a long time, the Kangaroo Kid being one, Chocolate Thunder. Uh, was yeah. another one that, that struck me that, you know, they were great names. Fred X, you know, some really some really cool names through the times. A great article, by the way. Thank you. That was a, it was a lot of fun, and I kind of crowdsourced it because I came up with, you know, 10 on my own or so, um, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to kind of put it on my Twitter page. I got to tell you, I you know, I put a lot up there, and I'll get responses. I got hundreds of responses of people who said like, yeah, what about the Legion of Doom? Can you count that? And what about the wild thing? What about, you know, the round mound of rebound? And, and people just kept coming up with them more and more and more, which tells you that people love nicknames, which tells you that we're, we kind of need one now, you know, mm-hmm. X-Man doesn't play to, anymore. I, Chooch isn't I, here now. I, I did get a yeah. laugh out of losing pitcher. That one was good. Yeah. There was a guy, he pitched for the Phillies, uh, I think back in the 40s, 30s or 40s. Uh, Frank Mulcahy was his name, and he was a terrible pitcher. Um, and so, like, he lost twice as many games as he won in his career. So you would always see the box score, and it would say, losing pitcher, Mulcahy. So his nickname became losing pitcher. There was another <laughs> guy who pitched in, in town at the time, uh, probably for the, either for the Phillies or the A's, whose his last name was Beck. I don't remember his first name. But his nickname became Boom Boom Beck because that's the sound that the ball made coming off the bat and then bouncing off of the outfield wall. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, hey, Glenn, we're getting ready to run out of time pretty quick. So we, we wanted to run by you. We do a little segment we call Fast Five. Basically, Chet asks five pretty simple questions, and you give five pretty simple answers. You up for that? Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Let's do it. Glenn Mack now, number one. Which Philadelphia Eagle has been the most pleasant surprise this season? Uh, well, earlier I, I told you, and I think i got to go with Nelson Aguilar as my most pleasant surprise. We would have also accepted Michael Kendricks, Patrick Robinson, or Jalen Mills. <laughs> okay. Number two. <laughs> yes. Barring a huge collapse, the Eagles are going to the playoffs this season. How far will they go, Glenn? They will go to the NFC Championship game uh, and lose to Seattle. All right. Unless I like the way you're thinking. A lot of that depends on where it is. We'll see. But that's that's my prediction. Right, right. Number three, what is your go-to beer to sit and enjoy at a, you know, watching a ball game or your 210th (laughs) viewing of Rocky? Yeah, well, I mean, I got to, you know, pump my own product there. Uh, I am a partner in the Concha Hawken Brewing Company. Uh, and I love our um, I love our IPA, and I love one that we have an English malt ale called Puddler's Row. That's probably the one I drink the most often. Excellent. True or false? You were in attendance for a legendary concert by the Monkees in the summer of 1967. 
I was. I don't know if it was legendary, but it was. I was a little kid. I was 11. It was my sister's birthday. We were in Miami Beach. My parents felt bad that she was. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. My parents felt bad. She was out of town for her birthday, so my sister and I went to see the monkeys. Uh, the legendary part was the opening act was a fairly unknown guitarist <laughs> named Jimi Hendrix, who at 11 years old, I thought, my God, this guy's horrible. Let's bring on some real music. <laughs> bring on the monkeys. Uh, a few yep. years later, I decided to reevaluate that. Hendrix yeah, they did six, is, and we six about shows together that summer. Yes, they, right. And then Hendrix quit it because he thought this just isn't working, but I saw one of them. Yeah. And now in my life, Hendrix is probably my favorite musician. Awesome. And finally, regarding your radio partner, Ray Dinger, Glenn, what is more likely to happen in the next few years? Ray drinks a beer or Ray buys a smartphone? (laughs) Wow. Uh, Ray puts on a pair of shorts because none of those three things will ever happen. (laughs) That was my third option. That was my third one, honest to God. Man does not own a pair of shorts or a bathing suit. He goes on a cruise. He went on a cruise. Like every year he goes on a cruise. Yep. No shorts, no bathing suit, khaki pants on a cruise. <laughs> and no cell phone. <laughs> but I love the guy. I love the uh, guy. Oh, all right. Thanks, Glenn. Hey, Glenn, before we say goodbye, can you tell us uh, tell us about the breweries and what's going on? You got some, You got a lot of activity going there. We do, we do. So the Conchahokan Brewing Company, we've got we've got the brewery which is on East Elm Street in Conchahokan, right on the bike trail. Uh, and we've got the restaurant uh, brew pub, which is in Bridgeport. Um, in December, we will be opening another uh, brew pub in Phoenixville, right across from the Colonial Theater, with ping pong tables for fun. Uh, and then nice. uh, presumably, hopefully in January, we are going to be opening in my town, in my neck of the woods, Havertown with the town tap right off of Darby Road. So yeah, we're very excited about it. Things are going well. And People like the beer, and that's a good thing. You bet. Fantastic. All right, and you uh, you can read your articles at Metro.us, correct? That is correct. You can follow me on Twitter at RealGlennMack now, or you can find me on Facebook uh, under my name as well. All right. Well, we appreciate Thanks, it, Glenn. Thanks for stopping by. Good stuff. Hey, it's my pleasure, fellas. Enjoy. All right. Take care. Always good to talk to this young lady, Chris Gaskell from the Irish Rover Station House. Chris, I can't believe it's November already. What's going on with the Irish Rover? Hard to believe, but we are super excited to be partnering with Victory Brewing Company this month. We are an official drop-off location for the Preston and Steve Camp Out for Hunger. So Victory Homegrown Lager is the official beer of the event. So if you bring your canned good or non-perishable, you'll get a discount on your homegrown draft. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. The band STEM Live is there this Saturday night. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Now, just a little bit of a great Judas Priest song for everybody who stayed up a lot of late nights watching a great World Series over the past week. You're not kidding, Chad. I'll tell you, it took me two nights to watch Game 5. (laughs) <laughs> and it took me uh, it took me late into the night to watch Game Six, and uh, I'm not sure I'm rested enough to get Game Seven, but somehow I'm going to get that done. Yeah, me too. I'm going to watch this one live. I don't care if it goes till three in the morning. It's Game Seven, man. Everybody loves Game Seven. Pretty good series. Game Seven of the World Series or any other other championship. There is nothing like Game Seven. Yep, love it.
Well, hey, as we discussed, Chet, with with Glenn a little bit, the Eagles are on a roll, and Carson Wentz, although still learning, is playing awfully good football. Yeah, that he is. And you know, neither he nor the Eagles offense in general played their best game on Sunday, and they still blew out the 49ers by 23 points, 33-10. to 10. The defense, of course, playing great and contributing a pick six. But to your point, yes, Carson Wentz is all of a sudden in the top three or top five when you talk about NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I think we all know as we watch him develop, uh, the leadership skills are, are obviously there. And, you know, I think if there's one knock on him at this point, he's holding the football a little bit too long, trying to maybe do a little bit too much. But that will come with time. And uh, you had an opportunity to sit down over uh, the last couple of days and talk with his North, North Dakota State quarterback coach, Randy Hedberg. How did that go? Oh, terrific. You know Randy a little bit. Great guy, and he certainly knows number 11 pretty well from their two years together at NDSU. We had a real good chat about Carson yesterday, and here We had is. this gentleman on just about one year ago, and now he's back for a return visit to the show. He's the quarterback's coach at North Dakota State University, Randy Hedberg. Randy, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Thanks for having me, Chad. I enjoyed it. Randy, you certainly know a little bit about the Eagles quarterback since you coached him in 2014 and 15. Carson Wentz last year had a solid rookie season, but now, even with an unspectacular game last Sunday and a win over the 49ers, he's having a fantastic 2017 season. 19 touchdowns, just five interceptions, and with the Birds at 7-1 and one at the midpoint of the season, he is a legitimate MVP candidate. Does any of that surprise you? Well, to a certain extent it does because it's happening fast. You know, in his second year, I didn't expect it to be this fast, but I did expect him to uh, have a lot of success in the NFL just because of his work ethic and his commitment and his, uh, you know, what he's done from a physical standpoint, getting better. So it doesn't surprise me from that standpoint. The timing, probably a little quicker than I anticipated, but I did think that Carson would have a lot of success in the NFL just because of his ability to process quickly at land scrimmage his strong arm and his athleticism. Before Carson played in his first NFL game, I believe I heard you saying in an interview that if there was anything he needed to work on, it would perhaps be his footwork and throwing the deep ball. It certainly looks like he's made improvements on both fronts. Well, I think so too. You know, I saw him on Monday night throw a deep ball pretty accurately. So I think he's gotten better that way. And I'm sure the coaches in Philly have done a great job with him in reference to the two points you made. But I think those things are going to get better and better with him because he's a good athlete and a guy that can get out of the pocket and make plays and just uh, help himself as far as getting open receivers too, as far as moving around in the pocket. Now, we talked about this a year ago, but one of the really impressive things about Wentz, and you just mentioned it a moment ago, is his ability to quickly process what is happening at the line of scrimmage and to audible when necessary. He's doing that like a five-year veteran already. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. Uh, He did that for us here at North Dakota State. We gave him a lot of things to do at the line of scrimmage, you know, doing protection checks at the line of scrimmage. And he had a kill package, you know, where we'd go run to run, pass to pass, or pass to run, run to pass. You know, we had all those different options during the course of a game. And the processing, you know, quickly at the line of scrimmage, I think is nothing new to him. He's had to do that while he was with us here playing for the Bison. But I think, you know, it just – is compounded a little bit because of the complexity of the NFL game. But I think he had that uh, as he came through our program a little bit better. Hey, we don't think of Carson Wentz as a scrambling quarterback, but he's shown he can run it, called plays, scrambles, whatever. He's already run for more than 200 yards this season after running for 150 all of last year. I guess you did see some of that ability at NDSU too. 
Oh, no question about it. Yeah, we ran him quite a bit, actually, and uh, he was able to make plays for us. And I remember one national championship game, he scored the winning touchdown by running the ball into the end zone and also. Uh, I think that's pretty impressive part of him. He, he can make people miss in the open field, and he's not afraid of contact, that's for sure. You mentioned that, and that's one of the concerns up here. He does take a lot of hits. He's not afraid to get hit, but do you worry about him taking maybe a little bit too much of a pounding? Well, we tried to get him to slide and get out of bounds here <laughs> in North Dakota State, but it didn't It didn't go that way. Uh, and I think that's the same issue he's having in Philly. He's, uh, he's a competitor. That's one thing he is. He's a, he's a really true competitor and a fierce one. And I think that's the thing. He thinks he's going to take on some of those NFL linebackers and uh, secondary guys and all and uh, make the pile move a little bit. And, but I think that's one thing he's going to get better at as he progresses through his career. I know you got to see him last year during the Eagles bye week. Do you still talk or exchange texts with Carson on occasion? Oh, yeah. We've, we've communicated. I know we communicated by phone back in August and messages primarily now just because of the busyness of our season and his season. So uh, that's kind of what we're doing right now because I know we're both busy. Before the Eagles and Redskins played last week on Monday night, I saw a bunch of folks from Fargo being interviewed prior to the game. And then this past Sunday, a bunch of uh, folks from North Dakota came east as well. They made the trip to Philly. And by the way, for the geography challenge folks like myself, Fargo is three and a half hours or so northwest of Minneapolis. So I need to know, Randy, are there more Vikings fans or Eagles fans in Fargo now? Well, that is a good question. Uh, I would think that that is getting to be a little bit uh, more 50-50 because <laughs> as far as Eagles and Viking fans, you know, there's some Packer fans in this area too, you know, but, but uh, I do think the Eagles have picked up and there's a lot of Eagles jerseys with number 11 worn in North Dakota. I know that now, throughout the state, uh, Carson's made a great impression, not only uh, nationally, but he's been very uh, visible in the state of North Dakota too when he comes back. So, People are aware of him, and they can identify with Carson because he's, he's just like one of them, and I think that's the big thing about it and the thing that I think is most impressive about Carson. And we just might have an Eagles-Vikings playoff game, the way things are going this season, so that would be a whole lot of fun. Hey, well, in, that ought to be interesting. Yep, yep. In, his two, in 2015, his senior season, Carson missed a bunch of games with a broken wrist, and his backup Easton Stick filled in admirably, winning all eight games that he started. Now a junior – Easton Stick is still there, and the Bison just keep rolling along. You guys are 8-0, ranked number two in the nation in the FCS, behind only James Madison. Five wins by blowout, then three more competitive games that all ended with victories. Looks like NDSU has another championship-caliber team. Well, I think so. You know, I think we uh, do have a team that can compete on a national level uh, this year also. And and Easton is, is a lot like Carson in the fact that he's a highly competitive young man. And uh, he learned uh, from a great role model in, in Carson Wentz. And I think uh, Easton and him are very close. And I think that helps Easton's game. You know, he, he's not going to run out of bounds either. Just like Carson is not going to run out of bounds. And I think those are things we're trying to instill in him to get out of bounds and get down. But we feel we have a very good football team. And, uh, you know, we've got a competitive three games left in our regular season, hopefully before playoffs start. But uh, it'll be a good season for the Bison. And by the way, Randy, my radio partner, Bill Furman, wishes he were able to be on this call with us because he lives down in Lakeland, Florida, and he tells me that there are three guys from either Lake Gibson High or Lakeland High on this year's Bison team. Backup quarterback, Holden Hodgkiss, cornerback, Josh Hayes, and senior free safety and 2016 All-American, Trey Dempsey. Yes, we do have a good uh, contingent of Floridians, uh, Floridians on our team. 
And, uh, yeah, I've talked to Bill off and on and communicated with him through messages, and I know he's very proud of some of those young men, and we're very proud of him also. Well, continued success the rest of the way for the Bison and for our Eagles. Randy Hedberg, thanks for joining us on Philly Press Box Radio. And, again, best of luck to you and the guys the rest of the season. Thanks for having me, Chet. Wow, Chet, that is good, good, good stuff right there, my friend. Yeah, always good to talk to Randy and uh, you know hear what he has to say about Carson Wentz's development. I know he's enjoying it, and so are a lot of folks out in North Dakota. They've become Eagles fans now, as he noted. Well, and, you know, the thing about a, a guy like Randy, um, you know, if he didn't think that, that Carson was doing something particularly well, he's a football guy. He's a football coach. He would tell you that. So if he's oh, telling yeah. you that he thinks he's doing, uh, doing these things well, he is. Absolutely. All right. Hey, and uh, one also in regards to Randy Chet, let's thank my my good buddy from Collingdale, Steve Pagnoni. Steve is the one who originally hooked me up with Randy, and uh, was that's how we were able to get uh, him on the show and for me to connect with him with some of these players as well. So uh, thanks to Steve for that. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a new friend in Randy, and hopefully he'll join us again next year. Yep, and Steve, Steve and Randy were teammates way back in the college days, so that's how far that went back. That's how that all happened. I see. Speaking of football, it is time. It's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. We should say, Chet, the married Fred Hugo is making his first appearance on Philly Press Box Radio. Welcome back, Mr. Fred Hugo. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening listening to you giving a shout out to Steve Pagnoni, and uh, I don't know. It all comes back to Collingdale sometimes, some way or another. So I find a, an avenue back to Collingdale. It's weird. Me and Christy are both from Collingdale too. So, hey, yep. Fred, Fred, before we talk about football and your fantasy stuff, give us one minute on the wedding. I understand you had some uh, surprise musical guests there. I was absolutely blown away. We. Um, my uh, my brother grabbed the microphone, and they said they had a surprise for me, and he started singing, like, fly, goes fly on the microphone, which I, I appreciated it, but I'm like, all right, man, this is my wedding. It's not an Eagles game. Like, what, that's, like, what are you doing this for right now? But I was being nice, just laughing, fake laughing kind of. All of a sudden, they open the door. I see that guy with the long beard. I'm like, no way. Yep. And then I see the green, and then they just did a whole – a whole thing. They played it like three times and took pictures, oh, and they're man. really nice guys. And it, it was a really the whole wedding was like like hype. It was almost like everyone was tailgating, and it, it was it was awesome. <laughs> it was really cool. Eagles pet uh, band. Fun. I love it. Love it. All right, Fred. Hey, let's talk. Who's in? Who's out? What you got going on? And and how do these trades? Uh, you know, here at the deadline, how's this all going to play into the fantasy football world? Yeah, I'll just touch on the, the couple that just happened. I mean, it switches everything up. It really changes the game. You, Kelvin Benjamin leaves the Carolina Panthers and goes to the Buffalo Bills. So immediately, uh, we, we talked earlier in the year about how Charles Clay was their only real receiver, the tight end. He's out now. Now Kelvin Benjamin becomes an option, which now raises the value of like a Tyrod Taylor. And then at, at the same point, at the same time, then you look over at Carolina and you and you read about things and you see, hey, this might open up more opportunity for uh, Christian McCaffrey to be in the slot as well as Curtis Samuel. So all these things change the way it goes. The Eagles acquiring Jay Ajahi, you don't know what kind of backs he's going to be. We already have LeGarrette Blount here, or Blount here. I always say it wrong. 
Um, you just got to wait and see kind of and, and, and listen to what you think, but uh, with, with, with the so-called experts say, but no one really, really knows. It's a matter of how they're going to run these offenses, but it definitely changes everything. You can have a guy you were getting ready to cut and now all of a sudden he's on a new team and you're like, ah, oh, let me hold on and see this guy might be, have a lot of value. But as far as <clears throat> this week goes with my start one and sit one, starting at the uh, quarterback position, I'm going to go ahead and start Drew Drew Brees versus the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had uh, no touchdowns last week, but he'll have plenty this week. Tampa Bay has given up 22 points a game to quarterbacks, and um, they they've given up a touchdown pass in every single game. So I, I think Brees will have a good good week this week. As far as who to sit at the quarterback position, I would go ahead and sit Kirk Cousins at the Seattle Seahawks. If I know it was raining, pouring rain really, but even in the pouring rain, if the Dallas defense could catch catch a football last week, he would have had three or five interceptions. He was he didn't know the crap out of me last week. Seattle D also was torched by Deshaun Watson. I expect them to, to rebound at home and play a much better game. So I, I think there'll be a couple turnovers for Cousins at the running back position. I'm going to go ahead and start Kareem Hunt against the Dallas Cowboys at Dallas. He's cooled down a bit the last three weeks, but he still had solid numbers. I expect them to get at least 20 points or maybe even 30-plus against a, a Dallas defense that on average gives up about 26 fantasy points to the running back position. Uh, running back to sit, I'm going to go and sit uh, Devontae Freeman from the Atlanta Falcons. I personally have him as well. He's been kind of a disappointment here or there. He's been battling an injury. He's only had 100-yard rushing game this year. He's about been about 15 points or under in five out of the seven games. He's going to be facing a Panthers defense that's ranked third against running backs. I would go ahead and sit him this week and, and start someone else. At wide receiver, start DeAndre Hopkins, who went off last week. He had eight catches, 224 yards, and a touchdown against the Seahawks D. No telling what he's going to do against the Colts D. They give up an average of 36.8 points to the wide receiver position. So I think Hopkins will have a good day. And even if you have Will Fuller as well, um, who's on the other side there, he may, he may be an option to start as well. <clears throat> uh, receiver to sit, I'm going to sit all-pro A.J. Green this week. He was held to three catches and under 50 yards in, in back-to-back weeks here. They're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars at Jacksonville. I think they're all, all coming off a bye. I'm not sure, but they're ranked number one against uh, fantasy wide receivers. So if you have another option, sit, sit A.J. Green because he's probably going to have another down week. At tight end, this is an easy pick, but I'm going to go with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles' Zach Hurts against the Denver Broncos' defense. You saw what Travis Kelsey did to them on Monday Night Football, and, and typically throughout the year, this isn't the first time I've picked a tight end to go against the Broncos' defense as they, they struggle against the tight end position. So Zach Hurts is, is, a, is a lock there. At the uh, uh, To sit the tight end, I'm going to go ahead and sit Giants' tight end Evan Ingram, who his last two weeks, uh, combined, he's posted 11 catches, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. He's been at about 18 or 19 points back-to-back weeks. But I think they'll cool off this week. They're going against a Rams defense coming off a bye. They're ranked three against the tight end position. And, and the competition the Giants were going against, one of them happened to beat Denver, as I touched on on the last part, or, uh, about, or I touched on about Ertz. So they're not great defenses they faced. And this week they will be facing a good defense that, that stops the tight end. 
As far as defenses to start, I would start the Texans' defense against the Colts. They gave up 35 points last week and scored a negative one in fantasy football. I think a uh, perfect time will be to rebound at home against Jacoby Brissett and the Colts. The Colts tend to turn the ball over and, and, and provide scoring for the opposing defense. Defense I would sit is the Saints versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints, D, they've been playing well for the last five. They've given up 17 points or less, and there was a shutout in there too, I believe. But I think this is the week that the Tampa offense gets rolling. And I looked at the over-under. It's around 50, so that's telling me there's probably going to be high scoring in that game. So I would sit the Saints D. They're ranked about middle of the pack. And then as far as kickers go, I would just go ahead and start the Saints kicker, Will Lutz. It seems like that will be a high-scoring game. And uh, I would sit the Jets kicker, Chandler Catazaro, versus the Bills. It's a Thursday. I I just have a feeling – in New York, you know, he's just going to miss a field goal. I'm pretty good with that, actually, when I with my gut on missed field goals, actually, believe it or not. So I'll go ahead and sit him. So that's it for my uh, fantasy picks there. Start one, sit one. All right. Good deal. And, and uh, one, one comment I want to make, what, how's Jimmy Garofalo fit into this? So he, I, I believe he's not going to play this week. But I, 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 with all the weapons, that, that, I mean, they have Carlos Hyde, I guess Pierre Garçon, Jimmy Garoppolo. You'll have to wait and see how he adapts to the offense. If he was in, if you have like a keeper league or a dynasty league where you're going to be able to main keep players for the following year, he would be a guy I would go out and sign on the the free agent wire and then just stash him for next year. He may possibly have success this year, late late in the year, but I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't put all my uh, eggs on, on Jimmy Garoppolo, but next year he, he may be a, a high-scoring high uh, fantasy quarterback. All right. Well, hey, um, Chet, before we get to our picks, uh, I think somebody last week picked the Redskins over the Cowboys, and that was not you or I. How did we do during the week, and what's our <laughs> records now? Yeah, for a yeah, change, I wasn't the low they, man. <laughs> Just two games last Sunday, and, Bill, yeah, you and I got both of them right, picking the Eagles and Cowgirls correctly. Fred did take a gamble on the Redskins, but he, his mind was in other places last week, so uh, we'll let him slide. For the ah, season, it is now <laughs> it is now a three-game lead. <laughs> three-game lead for Bill at 19-5. and five. Fred is at 16-8. and eight. I'm at 15-9, and nine, but moving on up. There you go. All right, well, let's get to this week's pick. Uh, we got a busy week. The Rams are at the Giants. Rams are uh, minus three and a half. Fred, what do you like there? Giants are at home. I mean, they're just they're just not good this year. I I don't see how they can beat the Rams. It is a, a close spread, so that tells me it, it's probably going to be a closer game than, than we would expect, maybe more of a defensive game. I'm, I'm going to take the Rams. We'll go 20, 24-20 Rams. All right, Giants are coming off a bye, but that doesn't change the fact that they stink. The Rams just may be for real. Rams win that one up in East Rutherford. Boy, Chad, I tell you what, I couldn't have done any better by throwing that stink word in there. You're right. I'm going Rams. <laughs> Washington Next. at Seattle. Seattle minus seven. Go Seahawks all day long. I, I won't even look. I, I'm not picking the Redskins. They can win next week. I, after what they last week, I'm so aggravated at the Redskins. Seven-point spread. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Seattle. Yeah, Seahawks are coming off a wild win over Houston. The Redskins may give them a challenge, but Russell Wilson is playing great right now. Seahawks easily. Big game. Kansas City at Dallas. Kansas City minus one. 
Of course, we don't have a certain running back, at least on a Wednesday, that's going to be playing for the Cowboys, but he could be back tomorrow. You never know. Kansas City, Dallas, minus one, KC. Uh, it's in Dallas, correct? It is. I've always said that, the, the, and I mean, most people say that the, the Cowboys go as Ezekiel Elliott and that line goes. That line is not what it was last year. It's still good, and Ezekiel Elliott pushes that pile a lot more. If he's not going to be playing, I'm not, I'm not as confident in Dak as other people may be. I think he's a good quarterback, but he has a game manager tendencies as well. I'm going to have to go. That spread is so close, though, but I'm not picking Dallas regardless. I'm going to take Andy Reid and the Chiefs in a close one, 27-24 Chiefs. All right, big win for the Cowboys this past Sunday over a division rival, but I think Andy Reid will have Casey ready for this trip to Big D. The Chiefs help out Doug P. and the Eagles with a win over the Cowboys. Way to go, KC. Well, I thought somebody might uh, pick the Cowboys because I'm going to pick the Chiefs because I just think without Ezekiel Elliott, um, Cowboys just don't have enough gas. Bill, yes. you picked Seattle also, right? You picked Seattle. You didn't I, say it, but I did. I'm assuming you picked Seattle. Okay. I did, yep. Finally, uh, Eagles, Eagles. Host, host the Broncos, Eagles minus eight in that game. Fred. The only matchup I'm concerned – I don't even want to say concerned. We touched on it on Facebook a little bit. It's a one to watch. Big V, I don't know why everyone was crushing him last week. He he had a few plays there, but for the most part he played played well, um, I thought, anyway. So that Von Miller matchup is one you're going to watch as far as pressure goes. But Brock Osweiler starting, he's terrible. I, I don't even see what John Elway sees in him. I don't, I don't know why he's starting. I don't know why they're going to the um, – the, rook, the rookie. Well, he's not a rookie. Is he a rookie still? No, he's not a rookie anymore. No. I can't even think of his name right Second now. Second year. But, um, Paxton Lynch. Paxton, yeah, Paxton Lynch. Why they would even give Brock a, a shot, I, I don't know. So I'm just going to go with the Eagles. I think the, I think the Eagles win this fairly easily. Uh, at home at the link, 24-10. All right, who would have thought two months ago the Eagles would be an eight-point favorite to beat the Broncos? Denver is playing a road game after a Monday night contest. They're not sure what the heck to do about that quarterback situation. Yeah, it's going to be Brock, but I don't know. Their defense may be very good, but the offense will be no match for the Birds, D. I'm picking the Eagles to win and cover. Almost what Fred said. He had 24-10. I say 24-13 Eagles. All right, I'm going Eagles at home, too. I think they'll win this game easily. I'm going 27 17 birds. There so we you all go. have same the same picks. picks. That's no fun, but that's, uh, hey, that's the way, the way it it's going to fall this week. All right, Chet or Fred, we appreciate it. Thanks uh, again, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See you next week. Have a good one. All right. Hey, 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 Chet, let's talk a few more minutes about the Phillies' new manager, Gabe Kapler. I, I find this to be a really interesting move in the fact that. In my mind, we didn't talk to, to Glenn about this. I mean, Matt Klintak is hanging out on this right now. Oh, yeah, this is all on Klintak. Uh, he's going to live or die with this one. A lot of people are souring on it because of the whole analytics thing and his new age approach to life in general, but I'm talking about uh, Kapler now. But in reality, as Glenn said, we have no idea how good a manager he's going to be. We thought Charlie Manuel would be a dud when we heard his first few interviews. The majority of the folks killed the Eagles for the Doug Peterson hiring and still doubted the move as recently as mid-September of this year. Now he's a pretty popular guy. Let's give Kapler a chance, and you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll judge him sometime in mid-April. We'll give him a, you know, half a month. 
Yep. Well, you know, the one one thing I thought about with the old analytics thing is, you know, you can have all the analytics in the world. You don't think Justin Verlander's given up a ble- bleeding single over the first baseman's head to let two runs in to lose the game. You can put all the numbers in the world at his computer and don't come up with that. Exactly. And you got to have the players, and, you know, they have a pretty decent lineup right now. Still need a lot of help with pitching, though, so that's going to be the key next year. All right. Hey, let's hit the Sixers real quick. Three road wins, including a game in Houston that looked like it might slip away. They're in the lead tonight, and it looks like it's going to be a high-scoring affair. They've already got 44 points with seven minutes still to go in the second quarter. Ben Simmons is surprising people that already thought he was going to be really good to begin with. Well, you saw my piece last week on our site. There will be a lot of ups and downs here early in the season, but Simmons clearly has game. And Joel Embiid is getting more into game shape and is now more willing to get into the paint where he should be at least you know, part of the time. And all of a sudden, they've won three out of four. They should beat the Hawks this evening as we speak to get to the 500 mark. I may have to revise upward my 43 wins prediction, Bill. <laughs> Boy, you're feeling really good. Well, you know, I... I I wonder as this as the season's the you know starting to take place here a little bit still very early, uh, it almost seems like a little bit more of a two man band. I think last year we were seeing a lot of uh, six and seven guys in double figures. I think we're 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 seeing two guys step out in front. Yeah, we are. And uh, the coach, Brett Brown, still has to figure out how to get Sharich more involved. He's not playing the way he did last year because of the way he's being used, I think. And I think Brown finally learned over the past week that he's got to play T.J. McConnell a little bit more because everybody knocks McConnell. Not everybody, but a lot of people do say, nah, he's just an average guy. But I'll tell you, they play better when T.J. is out on the floor. So keep using T.J. whenever possible. And Covington's starting to come around, shoot a little better once again. Uh, Reddick's been out the last two games. I don't know if he's playing tonight or not. Uh, they do have a lot of horses, and it's just about you know figuring out how to use some of these guys and how to have them play together in the best possible way. Yeah, and I will, uh, we'll, we'll be back on this again, certainly, down the road a little bit. But uh, the whole Okafor thing, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with Glenn that he just can't play. I think they have, they have ruined this kid. But we'll talk some more well, about I'm gonna that be later. Talk, I'm going to be talking about jaw in just a couple of minutes in my parting shot, so stay tuned for that. Okay. All right. Hey, we talked about the Flyers and uh, their visit in Chicago. Brian Elliott is in the goal. Elliott's off to a 5-2-1 start, Chet. You finding fall hockey any more interesting this season than you have in the past? Uh, in a word, no. And I also asked this guy, I think his name is Vincent, about his feelings about fall hockey. <laughs> So, okay, so I, I still just have to ask you this. Since fall hockey doesn't mean anything to you or, or much to you, do the points for wins in, in October, November not count as much as the wins in January and, and February? Of course they all count as much. We all know that. Every game counts. But, I mean, it's such a long season that – it takes a while to get into the groove, and it takes a while for a viewer like myself to feel up to watching it when there's football and you know Sixers basketball and World Series action in the spotlight. So you know me. I'll start watching hockey more in January and hopefully, in this case, February, because the Eagles will still be playing until around February 5th. All right. How about the, that Nolan Patrick? Uh, they put him on injured reserve. I'm not, that's certainly not a good thing. That uh, – Headshot he took that looked looked a little serious, but certainly not serious enough to miss a lot of time. And uh, looks like he's going to. 
Yeah, at first they said day-to-day, so I didn't think it was anything serious at all. And, you know, now, as you said, he's on the shelf. So hopefully he'll be okay and that he'll you know resume his rookie season before long. Yep, well, we need to keep an eye on that. And uh, and apparently Sam Marin might have been hiding a little injury as they were going to make a move to bring him up, and they changed courses with that, and uh, they did not bring him up. Yeah, I'd like to see more of him. Big guy, big kid. So uh, let's see what he has to offer, and hopefully he's okay as well. Uh, a lot of young guys on the team, so they will be fun to watch. So, you know, a lot to learn in some cases. And I guess Goss is her now too, right, Shane? Yes, he is. Yep. I'll tell you who's fun to watch is that uh, Ivan Provorov. He is really, really playing well, and uh, he's fun to watch. And as we talked last time with Bill Meltzer that we had him, you know, Provorov is uh, is the real deal. He is. Uh, looking forward to a great career from him. I think, as you said, he is the real deal. He's going to be a star in this league. Yep. Well, hey, Chet, before we get to our parting shots, you were able to get over to Carl's Cards on Saturday for that fundraiser for a friend event that – Raised a bunch of money for Bill Mattis' family, and how was that? And uh, I know there were a lot of celebrities there, a handful of flyers, and uh, I came away a winner myself. <laughs> well, yeah, what a terrific event. Real nice turnout for it. A beautiful day, by the way, unlike the weather the next day when the Eagles played. Sorry for all those Eagles fans who had to brave that uh, nasty weather. Everyone had a real good time at Carl's. Bernie Perrant was there, Bob Kelly, and Lou Nolan all there. Lou's got a new book out. I'm hoping to have him on the show, by the way. Brian Propp showed up later. Bill Mattis and his family were really appreciative. I hadn't met Bill Mattis, actually, until Saturday, so we had a nice talk. A real nice guy. My heart goes out to him after, you know, the loss of his son. The raffles were a huge hit. I did not win anything. I really wanted this uh, Moses Malone jersey that was part of a package. I put in all my tickets in that bin. Didn't win, unfortunately. Uh, That's okay. I believe Carl said they raised nearly $6,000, so that's the most important thing. Terrific event. Great job by Carl and company. Yeah, it sure was. I wish, uh, obviously, I wish I could have been there. I tried to follow it a little bit on, uh, they had some Facebook Live stuff going on, and uh, and my my internet uh, bid uh, held out on those jerseys, which I was was real excited to win. Didn't think I would win that, but I was excited about that. What kind of jerseys you get? Bobby Clark, Bernie Perron, Bill Barber, Eric Lindros, Tim Kerr, and Brian Propp. All in one jer- all in one package, six signed jerseys. Six signed jerseys? Yep. Wow. Yep. It's a shame you couldn't get any of the big names though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was struggling to get to get them, but uh, yeah, and actually, uh, there's a picture Carl has. It matter of fact, he made it his main main picture. I don't know if it's still up there, with uh, a bunch of the people there holding up their jersey, holding up the jerseys, and Bernie was holding up the number one. I did see that. I didn't know that you were the winner. However, I did see that picture. Wow, that is awesome. Yep, I am. I am the winner of those jerseys, my friend. Congrats. Yep, and I will be there tomorrow to pick them up in. Havertown. How's that? Nice. Nice. Uh, all right, Chad. Hey, more great guests tonight than Glenn McNow and Randy Hedberg. Those guys are fantastic. Uh, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. I'm sure you have a surprise. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the surprise is that we actually have somebody because I didn't have any confirmation until about 45 minutes before this week's show. I had you know, gone back and forth to this guy, but didn't really get a confirmation until – shortly before we went on this evening. He did confirm, though, 
And it is a guy who's been with us twice previously, a fan favorite, former Eagles wide receiver, old number 86, it's Arkansas Fred Barnett. Nice. I bet Fred will be fired up to talk Eagles. Great, great stuff. You're on it, Mr. Chesco. You're always getting the good ones. I try. Fantastic. Well, hey, parting shot for you tonight. Yes, sir. And in fact, I just posted a story on our website uh, within the last half hour while we had the taped Randy Hedberg. Admit it, Sixers fans, you were pretty happy when your team used the third overall pick in the 2015 NBA draft to select 6'11 center Jaleel Okafor. He then had a fine rookie season for a dreadful 10-win 76ers team, averaging 17.5 points. But in 2016-17, with Joel Embiid finally getting onto the court, well, you know, for 31 games anyway, and the emergence of Rashawn Holmes, Okafor's playing time diminished, and his scoring average dipped to 11.8 points. Plus, as had happened a year earlier, he spent the last two months of the season on the sidelines due to a right knee injury. Is this a good time to mention that the Sixers could have drafted power forward Kristaps Porzingis with that third pick in 2015? You know him. He's that 7-3 guy on the Knicks who's currently third in the NBA in scoring 29 points a game. Anyway, here we are in November 2017, and Okafor, who certainly has offensive skills but is considered a defensive liability, is pretty much a forgotten man. He has played in just one of the 76ers' first seven contests, and on Tuesday the team announced it would not pick up his fourth-year option, meaning he will be an unrestricted free agent when the season ends unless he's sent packing before then. So barring a huge upset, Okafor, who doesn't turn 22 until next month, by the way, will never again play any significant minutes for the 76ers if he plays at all. He has almost no trade value and is just biding time until he's either dealt away for a rack of basketballs or becomes a free agent. Ja, we hardly knew you. Boy, and i tell you what, uh, well, again, we'll talk more about this as the season goes on, but that, they did that kid wrong. That's all I can say. I saw a story on Bleacher Report that said he would have been a great player in the 90s when, you know, the teams used big guys like Shaq and others to be in the paint and back in and go for that, you know, fadeaway jump or whatever, but he's just not in the right time period. Well, maybe I'm still in the 90s. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, Chet. Well, because we're up against the clock, I am going to skip my parting shot tonight. But uh, before we get to our close, uh, it's Game 7 of the World Series. Dodgers-Astros, who you like? I have no clue. I don't know. It's been a great series. I was rooting for the Dodgers initially just because Chase is on the team, but he hasn't really done a whole lot, to be honest. He scored the winning run in Game 6. But I'll stick with that pick. Dodgers. Go, Dodgers! Well, I'm going to root for the Astros just because I think they're full of fun and energy and uh, they're young guys. Honestly, I don't have a horse in the race, but I'm going to root Astros. Sounds good. All right. Wrap it well, up, that's Bill. going to bring us that's to the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests, Glenn Macnow, Randy Hedberg, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesko. This is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 8th at 7 p.m. when Fred Barnett joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and MixCloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.